Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Enterprising Families. And on this episode of Enterprising Families, we are going to be speaking about or speaking to rising generation in a family business. In particular, uh, we're going to be speaking to Kimberly Go about what it's like to be a rising generation member in a Filipino Chinese business and unpacking her journey as she navigated being next gen as well as working with the current gen. Welcome, Kimberly. Hi, Gigi. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to chat. And I'm very excited to have you. First off, I would like you to just introduce yourself to my audience so that they get a bit of background on who you are and what your journey has been. Yeah, so... I was born and raised in Manila to a Filipino-Chinese family. And growing up, I had a pretty conservative upbringing. I was raised with values of obedience and respect. I couldn't really go out um, for safety concerns or go on many play dates. Uh, I live in a three-generation household, and I've always lived that way. I am the eldest daughter and middle child in my family. And I went to international school here in the Philippines growing up before going to the U.S. to Northwestern University, where I studied journalism, economics, and entrepreneurship. Now, when I left for college, my mindset was very much that I didn't want to come back home or work for the family business. Like, I wanted to develop my own independence, experience freedom, and wanted to live outside of home. So I tried to get as much experience as I could, and by the time I had graduated, I had six internships and had lived in four metropolitan cities besides Manila. Uh, But as a senior in college, I faced pressure to go back home from my parents and my grandparents. And I didn't really feel fulfilled in my work experiences abroad either. And so I struggled a lot with whether or not I should go back home or stay and try to pursue a career in the States. But in the end, I decided that I should go back to the Philippines to learn what our family businesses were and see if they were a fit for me. And since coming back home, I've been able to work with my grandfather who founded our businesses and my mother. This year, I also became a family advisor, family business advisor, which has been an unexpected but rewarding path. And overall, the journey has definitely been very challenging, very difficult, especially when it comes to navigating, you know, living with my family again, learning how to establish boundaries between work and family and trying to still have my own personal space. But it's brought me closer to my family and it's made me view family business in a new lens. That's been quite a journey, especially more so because you've had to interface with different cultures uh, within your journey, moving away from home, from the the culture back at home and moving to a totally different hemisphere in the world that has a completely different set of cultural dynamics. 
how have you managed to balance out the the learnings that you've had from the different cultures that you've been immersed in? Yeah, this has been a question that's been on my mind even before I came back home because I realized that there were some things about living in the U.S. that I really valued. Like uh, in the U.S., people are much more inclined to question existing processes. They People function with a lot more autonomy and independence. And I knew the culture back home was a lot more conservative. Like you have to ask for permission. You really have to defer to your elders for decision making. And, you know, there's like a hierarchy of people that you have to go through to get something done. And they don't love it when you question or challenge existing you know, practices. But I think I try to operate from a mindset of how am I or how is this helping the family and the family business long term? Is my behavior and my actions something that will contribute to the longevity and sustainability of the family business? And if the answer to that is yes, then I will continue pursuing that behavior and try to maybe mold it so that it is more of a culture fit to where I am. So for example, uh, because there's a great, you know, tradition of deference for elders here in the Philippines, I will ask a question from a place of I try with humility. So I'll say, you know, I don't really know the answer to this, but this is an idea that I have. What do you think? As opposed to saying like, oh, I think we should do this because, and it'll work because of X, Y, Z. So I think it's been a challenge to integrate the two, but I think having those two perspectives or cultural perspectives allows me to leverage the benefits that each offer and create something that's kind of new that wouldn't exist if I was just in the Philippines or if I was just in the U.S. or had only been in one of those two places. Yes, I like how um, you also gave perspective to the fact that I come from a similar type of culture um, to the to the Philippines. And yeah, um, how you introduce topics or ideas is very particular, especially when you're working with elders in, in our cultures. It, there has to be a measure of respect and coming very slowly at them instead of just saying, this is what I want to do. Yes, yes. Um, so you've gone from wanting, from, from not wanting to work for your, for, for your family business to joining the family business and then now becoming an advisor. And this is, I think this is where, uh, I got introduced to you because I saw the FFI article that you you had um, written. Tell me about that journey. Tell me in terms of how different the perspectives are from the moment where you were like, I don't want to be part of the family business. What made you feel that way to I am now joining the family business and I'm willing to learn and contribute and then to saying, hold on a minute, I would like to work with other family businesses and help them gain the benefits of the relationships and the experience that I've built while being in our family business. Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot to pack, unpack there. That's essentially my whole life story. But I guess 
growing up, we were exposed to some of our businesses. Like we would have to fill out accounting books, uh, balance checkbooks, uh, organize forms and uh, financial statements, that kind of thing. And so I was surrounded by business a lot. Like my dad would talk to us about investing at the dinner table and he would teach us how he would have hired employees in the past or strategies that he would employ to turn something that was unprofitable to something that was profitable. But I never felt an inclination to be an entrepreneur or to start my own business. I have two older brothers and a younger sister and a younger brother. And my brothers and my sister kind of started their own entrepreneurial endeavors. Like they would sell Pokemon cards in school or sell candy. My sister started her own YouTube channel. And after graduation, you know, they even started their own businesses. And that was never something that I was drawn to. And I felt that I was different from my siblings and my parents in that way. And I struggled a lot with trying to understand why this was, but I always felt pressured to, you know, work for the family business and pursue an MBA. But when I left for college, I felt like I knew a lot about business and I knew that it didn't feel like a good fit for me. And I wanted to explore what a world outside of that context looked like. And I studied journalism, economics, and, you know, interestingly enough, entrepreneurship towards the end of my college uh, time in college. And I really enjoyed learning more about people and understanding why they do the thing they do. I enjoyed having interesting conversations, challenging myself in terms of just doing different things and seeing what new sides of myself I could uncover. And I also realized I wasn't very profit driven. Um, I considered consulting and banking for a time, but I wasn't, you know, super obsessed about making processes more efficient or cutting costs or maximizing profit. And I can, you know, I'm fairly okay with math, but banking just didn't really appeal to me. And so I kind of wanted to do something in marketing and branding. And a lot of the internships that I pursued were in that space. And specifically with the intersection of technology, because I found uh, that frontier very interesting. But having those experiences, I think made me realize that at the end of the day, I'd just be a foot soldier in a big company that was replaceable if I was working in the States. And if something happened to my family, I'd have to return home anyway. I was very conscious of the fact that I didn't know much about our family business besides what I had been exposed to when I was in like elementary and middle school. And I felt also that going back home and helping the people closer to me might be more meaningful work as opposed to working in a big American corporation. And it was really difficult to re reconcile this new mindset with what I previously believed about myself. And it felt like a big identity shift because, you know, I remember thinking like, oh, who am I now? Now that I suddenly want to go back home when for the first like 22 years of my life, this was something I was running away from. But I think that also came with the recognition that a lot of the decisions I was making came from a fear mindset. So I was afraid of my like working for the family business of being like quote unquote crap in 
having to serve that life. And I felt that that was limiting my potential somehow. Like, I think it's much better to run towards something or to do something because you desire something positive and great as opposed to making decisions because you're afraid of something. And so I decided to come back home to confront what I had been running away from. And in that sense, also, you know, challenge myself to really learn what our family businesses were and, you know, just see if there was something that would fit with my nat- with my skill sets and with my strengths and my interests. So that's the first part. Um, the second part is working for the family businesses. And I was the first adult child to work for my family business among my siblings. And it was very difficult to figure out how to navigate my relationships with my parents and my grandparents because it was all new to us. Like I was the first child to come back and work with them. They had never had an adult child work with them before. And I developed certain, you know, parts of my personality and identity living abroad. I was used to going out whenever I wanted, being able to, you know, even something like drink alcohol or go to concerts. And there was a lot of, you know, negative feedback when I wanted to do those things now that I was back home. And in the work context, like you mentioned, there's this uh, kind of need for deference and respect and your approach needs to be a little bit slow and you need, I felt like I needed to let my elders marinate on ideas for a while. And it took a lot of patience and it took a lot of reframing. I realized that whatever kind of habits that I had abroad in terms of the greater, maybe more go-getter attitude or um, not exactly aggression, but that like putting yourself out there and really pushing for something, that strategy didn't quite work at home. And so I had to recalibrate and try a softer approach and really leverage moments where we were not necessarily at work, but maybe if we were on a car ride to work, like I um, had to ride with my grandfather to work every day for a period of time. And there's a lot of traffic in Manila. So there was a lot of opportunity for conversation. Or when I had meals with my parents, you know, sometimes discussing things there uh, turned out to be better because we were all kind of relaxed, a little bit more easygoing. And I also mediated some intergenerational conflict uh, in my family, and that allowed me to kind of really probe at why people in my family kind of did what they were doing, how they felt about the family business. And I started to ask a lot of questions about why they believed things that they did. And eventually it cultivated a deeper understanding for who they were. And I was able to sort of step back from whatever maybe prejudice that I had against my family and my parents and my grandparents and view them as more complete human beings and think like, oh, this is their background. You know, they, my grandfather started the business from scratch. Uh, My family used to live in a single room in a house where, where their bathroom was also in the same, where their beds were. And I was like, wow, that's so different from what I knew and what I grew up with. And I became a lot more, uh, like humbled, (laughs) definitely was humbled by that experience. And I remember one afternoon, I was talking to my grandfather, 
And he told me to kind of sit down on his bed in his room. And he told me, Kim, the good thing about our relationship is that at the end of the day, we can set aside the business side and personal side of things. And we both value harmony. And hearing that kind of acknowledge from my grandfather, who in the beginning, I didn't really have a relationship with, was very mind-blowing. I never thought that he could say something like that. And I was quite shocked, but also felt quite validated. And I think a couple of minutes later, as I was you know, walking out of his room, I was like, wow, I really like this feeling. And I was asking myself, what did I do? And I thought of conflict resolution and mediation for family businesses specifically. And then after that, I started Googling like conflict resolution and family businesses and trying to find out if this is a thing or an industry. And eventually that led me to learn more about family business advising and wealth management. And it led me to take the uh, dual certificate program at FFI on family business advising and family wealth advising and just exposed me to this field that existed and was already thriving, maybe not as much in Southeast Asia as in, you know, America and Europe, but it was still there and it's growing. And I was like, wow, this is something that aligns with my values. And I feel like my strengths and interests as a person. Interestingly, I view it as an investigation to try to really understand people's motivations and their psyches and who they really are. And in that same way, kind of the training that I had in journalism, which had a lot of question asking and trying to approach a situation without any bias or any assumptions or really challenging what the quote unquote truth, accepted truth was, um, came in very handy. And yeah, I joined a family business advising firm earlier this year, and it's been a great learning journey so far. It's been so rewarding and fulfilling. Right. Well, there's just so much to unpack from what you've said. Um, and I think the first question that comes up um, from what you shared is how important do you think being self-aware and understanding your own strengths and weaknesses was for you? And um, what would you advise other next gens as they navigate similar journeys? Yeah, I think it's very, very important to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, on the strength side, it's important so you know what work makes you come alive, what you're really passionate in, and that way you choose a work that will sustain you long-term. Uh, there was a period you know, when I was doing my internships where I was really moving through different roles in marketing and different industries, trying to find the right fit. But I think there was a misalignment of values because I'm someone who really cares about people and who really cares about you know people's emotional well-being at the end of the day more than making something more efficient or money and there was a misalignment in my values there and learning what it was that made me you know want to wake up every day and what really lit a flame in my heart as cheesy as that sounds allowed me to really find something that I could thrive it and say no to everything that didn't really fit what I felt, uh, you know, aligned with my strengths and values. And as for weaknesses, it made me aware of what to say no to. Um, it made me more conscious of 
what might make you more tired or frustrated or just sort of angry and not in a good state of mind. And the less I could do that work the, and the more I could focus on my strengths, then, you know, the more fulfilled I became as a person. And it also taught me how to draw boundaries um, and say no to things that didn't really serve me. But it definitely was a process of trial and error in trying to figure out what I liked or what worked for me and what didn't work for me. So my advice to next gen would be to, you know, if you don't know what your strengths and weaknesses are, if you don't know what you like, then try a bunch of things. That's really how you get those data points and information about yourself. But do it with a mindset of self-reflection. So as you go through your life, think about like, oh, why did I like this? Or what I, why did I not like this? Or think about things that really motivate you or move you. Like when are times that you felt really driven and really passionate and hungry? And when um, were the times where you were asked to do something, but for some reason you just didn't really want to do it? And why was that reason? And the more that you can sort of finesse your understanding of yourself, the more that you can reach your potential, I think, as a person. Definitely. And looking at the way you have learned to communicate and balance um, culture as well as um, pragmatic situations, what do you think is the importance of taking care of the culture of the family as well and the business? and also discerning what behaviors or practices are helpful and should be passed down versus what isn't helpful and what should not be kept for the sake of tradition. Yeah, I think having a long-term mindset is very important because at least for my family, I'm a member of the third generation and I realized that I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Like my grandparents were the ones who started the business. And so the wealth that they've accrued that has passed been passed on to my parents and to me, it's not something that I started. It was something that I was born into and something that was given to me. And so I felt I feel like having a mindset of ownership, a sense of ownership for really, you know, contributing back to the family and giving back and also continuing the legacy that my elders have built up is really important because at the end of the day, like I want to pass down the blessings that I've been given to uh, the younger generation, to my kids, to my grandkids. And to be able to do that successfully, I need to know how to steward the wealth that's been given to me. And I have to do it in a responsible way. And ideally, as each generation is born, you're also iterating so that the situation becomes you know, better for uh, the younger generation. And so whatever kind of past trauma or unhelpful behaviors or family patterns that might be passed down or continued on you want to be cognizant of so that you don't pass it down to the next generation and I think this, these are really subtle things like oh um, you know growing up I think in a lot of Asian cultures when you don't know how to do something 
and you ask a question, they might say, oh, you're so disrespectful. But that could just be because you don't know how to do something and not like you're trying to disrespect the elders. Or if you ask a question and they say like, oh, you're competent. And, you know, ideally you want to encourage that sort of curiosity as opposed to saying, putting it at, saying it's something bad. So that's just one example, but there are many examples of behaviors that you want to be very aware of. Um, and ideally just like cut off at your generation. At least that's how I feel about, um, or that's how I feel when I think about mm-hmm. how to make the next generation progress or give them something better than what I got. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. And how do you think it's it's best to balance being assertive and confident with also being humble and respectful? Because those communication styles are the opposite ends of the spectrum at times. And especially when you're dealing with the older generation, and I'll take it from the point of view of I am an upcoming older generation with next gen just behind me. And um, you all, as a, as a parent myself, I think of, when I think of my children, I still see the little baby that I took home from the hospital. But every day I look at them in awe and realize, wow, they are not the little babies anymore. How do you then, as a, as a next gen, balance speaking to or dealing with the older generations who might still have that picture in their mind that you are still that little baby? Yeah, I think it's a slow progress. It's a slow journey because, you know, I would imagine, I'm not a parent, but I would imagine if I were to be a parent, if I had kids and that was the image that I had, then, you know, it's really letting your child go out and do things on their own it's not, it also kind of symbolizes a changing in your role in their lives. Like almost as if it's not so much as a hands-on parent, so much as someone who will guide them or almost like a mentor, right? Because you kind of acknowledge that they have their own identity, they have their own personality and they might make choices that are different from yours. And it's not really your, like you can't gatekeep all their decisions. That's, you know, kind of unhealthy. Um, But I would say, start with the low hanging fruit and kind of view it as a progressive timeline. So you don't need to give them like too much responsibility at once. Maybe start with like a small trial and say, oh, like let's say driving a car, this is a small example, but you know, when you're trying to learn how to drive a car, You don't just put them in the driver's seat and say, go drive. First, you have to go to school. You have some sort of education, some sort of communication back and forth. Talk about what what are good practices, what are bad practices. And then after that, you're like, okay, it's now simulated. So you sit in the driver's seat. I'll sit in the passenger seat. And then, you know, let's see if you know what, what to do or like what the parts of a car is or are. And then after that, you test drive. So you let them drive and then you're beside them and you correct them if there are any sort of mistakes or you know if they're veering off of the lane or taking turns where they shouldn't be. You're like, okay, you shouldn't do those things. And 
uh, over time, as you practice more and more, then you, you both develop greater confidence. Like as from the parent's point of view, you see your child advancing and becoming a better driver. And from the child's point of view, you have gotten the guidance and instruction from your elders. So you feel more confident in what you're doing until you reach a point where, you know, both of you feel ready for the child to drive by himself or herself. So I think that's the approach that I would take to, you know, managing a business probably or managing investments or starting a new venture. Um, Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And to wrap up this conversation, thank you so, so much for opening up, giving us insight into your own journey, as well as sharing uh, the gems of wisdom for next gens. I'm so sure that there's so many next gens that are going to listen to this and have an aha moment. Is there any final parting words you would like to share with my audience that you would like them to take away from listening to this podcast and navigating their own journeys? I think I just want to reiterate some of the points that we touched on earlier, uh, specifically having a long-term mindset and creating practices that will be sustainable for the family in the future. Because if it's something that kind of works for now, but doesn't, well, might not work later on for whatever reason, then is it really contributing to the family? And I think another thing is when it comes to conflict, oftentimes people have the view that conflict is bad or at least in Asian cultures, oftentimes we don't want to talk about it. We just avoid the topic altogether. But oftentimes when an issue is put under the rug, then it can breed resentment or ill feeling. And if things aren't discussed, then relationships can naturally fray and over time become broken. So I would say learn how to manage conflict. Conflict is inevitable and just, you know, figure out how to have the tools to approach conflict. Like sometimes you should avoid, sometimes you should talk about it, sometimes you should compromise. Sometimes you you can collaborate actually and work together to come up with a solution. And the idea is that, you know, it's important to have all these tools because not, there's no one that will work all the time but all of them together and knowing which one to use at the right time uh, will really help you manage conflict in family and in the business. And I think the last one is self-awareness. That's been really key and important for me. And in my own journey, I've had to heal my own quote unquote traumas or heal my own relationships with my family members before I could really even think about helping other families because I realized that, you know, everyone is a little bit biased. And if I am still holding on to baggage from the past, then that will influence how I approach different families. And so, you know, learning from other family business advisors who I asked advice from, a lot of them said, you know, make sure you start working on yourself first. Um, one of my mentors, Faisal, super great, also a family business advisor, he said, you know, imagine that you have this cup and whenever you meet as a family, everyone is contributing themselves into this cup. And the idea is that at the end of the meeting, everyone should want to drink from this cup. So ideally, the liquids or the contents of the cup should be clean um, and nourished 
interesting and healthy, right? And so in that way, I was able to reflect and ask, what am I contributing to the family cup? Is it something that's good and healthy or is it something that's toxic and dirty and muddy? And having that kind of imagery in mind made me much more conscious of what I was feeding into the family system and aware that I should clean my own, you know, uh, contents first before I uh, approach or meet together with the family. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much, um, Kimberly. I really enjoyed this conversation and I look forward to having more similar conversations in the future. Likewise, thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat and an honor to be on your podcast. Thank you.